and I'm Mike Conaway, the pastor here, and we are going to share, um, we're going to spend some time uh, in the parables, but today is Palm Sunday, very special Sunday. It's the Sunday before Easter, and uh, it's an exciting time, and as John mentioned, our Good Friday's coming, and it's just an amazing experience. Uh, if you've never been to it, it was our first one. It was a dream come true for me last year. It was an eight-year dream in the making that came to life. We've been working on getting this next one ready, and uh, we got drama, music. It's just uh, a special touchstone for every single person that comes. It's just going to be a chance for us to literally celebrate the greatest act of love ever seen, ever seen in human history and we get a chance to celebrate it and this is our opportunity and we'll never miss another one as long as I'm the leader here we'll never miss another Good Friday uh, because it's just something special amen well today is as we come to this uh, this time in our service, we come to the time where we're talking about parables and we're coming to the conclusion we only have a few more parables left uh, in our series. And, and, and Jesus has been communicating to us the incredible, incredible importance of the good news and the kingdom of God coming into each and every one of our hearts. So he's been really trying to set that in stone and make sure that you know what you believe and why you believe it. And, uh, and make sure that that's an anchor for your soul. And so, so as we come to this time, Jesus has been preaching to everybody and anybody who will listen. And today, the parable that we come to is perfect because we've been talking about, Jesus has been talking to the church a lot. The church, the church. Today, he's talking about the world, all of us, which, guess what? The church is a part of the world. And so, you know, so we are to be in the world, but not of the world, but we are a part of this world until the kingdom of God comes. So God is, so Jesus is speaking. How do we deal with that? What does that look like? What does that smell like, feel like in our everyday lives? And Jesus experienced this himself because in our culture, you can go to from hero to zero in a heartbeat. If you don't believe me, tell somebody that you think loves you, no. Start with your kids. Amen. Right? Amen. Yes means everything. No means I hate you, you don't love me, and all the other things that go with it. Hero to zero and a heartbeat. Job, work, pass, it doesn't matter. You name it, and we drop that quickly. And, uh, and it's called fair weather fans, Right? It's called those, those people that jump on that talk about they've been on the bandwagon the whole time and you can't see, you ain't, you ain't ever seen nothing, right? And so, so Jesus understands that because Palm Sunday was special. In John chapter 12, this huge crowd full of the world, full of everybody, everybody from everywhere is there. And Jesus comes into Jerusalem. And as he comes into Jerusalem, they are shouting, Hosanna! Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They are proclaiming, they are giving him a processional like a king. I mean, these guys, they are laying palm branches down so that he doesn't, his feet and even the, the, the donkey he's riding feet doesn't have to touch the dirt. I mean, they are giving him the full king treatment. One week later, one week later, 
they're given a choice between a known murderer, a known murderer who had murdered innocent people and Jesus, and they shout out, crucify him. Now listen to what else they said. Because when, when even the Romans pushed back, Pilate said, wait, 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 we, no, 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 I can't find any fault with this guy, are you sure? And they were like, we have no other king but Caesar. And they knew that if, they, that if he then didn't crucify Christ at that point, that he would be an enemy of Caesar. So they did whatever it took to proclaim that Jesus was not their king, that Caesar was their king, and they would rather have a murderer go free than a peace-loving healer who preached a, 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 a message of love and kindness and grace to anybody who would listen. That's Palm Sunday. That's Easter Sunday. That's hero to zero in less than a week. It's unbelievable when you think about that. But Jesus kind of warned us in the parable. He said there's a time coming. And when that time comes that the wheat are going to grow with the tear. And you really can't tell the difference. And so we have to let them grow together until the end of the age. Because some of us struggle, why do bad things happen to good people? Why do good things happen to so-called bad people, right? First off, we're labeling ourselves good people, and God already said there's nobody good but God. But we decide we're better than, right? We ask ourselves the question, why, why, why does God allow evil in the world, right? But, but at the same time, when we ask that question, we ask the question in that regard is why does God allow evil in the world and people get tortured and people suffer and this and that and all these terrible things, but we don't want God to get in our business. When we want God to stop evil, but we don't want him to stop us cheating on our taxes. Right? We want him to stop evil, but we don't want him to stop us in that extramarital affair. We want him to stop evil, but we don't want him to stop us from fornicating, right? Because if he has to stop evil, he has to stop all evil. That means even when you lie, when somebody says, do I look good? And you say no. <laughs> Am I right or wrong? So, but it's lesser evil. So now we come to this place, we ask ourselves these questions and we stand in judgment of God and Jesus said the wheat are going to grow with the tear. And you're not going to be able to tell those differences right away. And so, so we come to this place and, and as we are looking at this, Jesus ex explains this and here's, here's the cool thing about this parable. We have the parable and then the expl explanation right here in our text. And so Jesus says, he put another parable before them saying, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. What kind of seed did he sow? But while his men were sleeping, an enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds also appeared. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, now listen to this, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? Then how is it, how, then how does it 
have weeds? And he said, well, an enemy has done this. So the servant said to him, then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, no, lest the gathering of weeds you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest, and at harvest time I will tell the reapers. Did he say you will tell the reapers? He said I, that's God's business, not your business, it's God's business. I'll tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn explanation in verse 36 then jesus left the crowds and went into his house his disciples came to him saying explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field he answered the one who sows good seed is the son of man speaking of jesus the field is what not the church this time it's what the world and the good seed is the sons of the kingdom The weeds are the sons of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is who? So if you don't believe in the devil, you don't believe in Jesus, because evidently Jesus believes in the devil. He also qualified that he's existing. He also qualified that he's at work seeking to destroy us. Okay? So the harvest is at the end of the age, and the reapers are the angels. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send His angels, and they will gather out out of His kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers, and throw them into the fiery furnace in that place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. Now listen to what he says here. He who has ears, let him hear. May the Lord add his blessing on his word today. As we find here, the first thing I want you to see lessons from this parable for Palm Sunday is this. There were both believers and unbelievers in the crowd on Palm Sunday. There were people who believed in Jesus and people who just started laying down palms because they wanted to go with the crowd. They, they saw the majority, the majority, and they jumped in with the majority the same way most bandwagon guys are. The same way most Fairweather fans are. They go with the majority, and then they try and qualify. They've been on the bus the whole time, and you know they haven't. And so we look at this, and he specifically told us the world is the setting so it would be obvious, so you and I would understand that we're going to grow until the end of the age. You may as well get used to good things happening to bad people, bad things happening to good people, and all other points in between, and stop becoming angry with God over everything. That's what happens. We use it as an example to blame God regularly. Something good happens, we claim we did it. Something bad happens and it's always God's fault. It has nothing to do with the people who perpetrated it on us and nothing to do with our own behavior that put us in that position. But it has to be God. Right? Hero to zero. You get saved, you give your heart to Jesus and you have the worst week ever and you say, I'm going back to sin because sin was way funner. Jesus said, I never promised you I never promised you a rose garden. He said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. You get saved, you lose your job, you're like, thanks God. It's God's fault. 
Maybe God's setting you up for the next job and moving you into the next opportunity, but you're too busy cursing him to let him bless you. Amen. Could be. You see, in this we understand that Jesus is really, he, he's helping us to understand the circumstance. You see, if this parable was about the church, then Jesus tells us in Matthew 18, if you have unrepentant sinners in your church, you're supposed to put them out. So he's not talking about the world. He's talking about people that cause trouble within the context of your church that say they're believers, but they're not, but they're always at the very center of the controversy. And they're the first people to call you evil when they're here sowing evil. Don't shoot the messenger. I'm just the help around here. Jesus is teaching about the kingdom of heaven. You have to understand that in Jesus' time, farmers depended on their crops for the family, but also the villages and the cities and everybody around them depended on their crops. The enemy would come and he'd sow seed to sabotage your business. And we're in the business of soul winning. That's our business. You don't think that the Satan's going to sow some seed here to mess up the business that God's trying to do to win people to Christ? He's going to sow seed as much as he can. He's going to sow discord in this city, make us hate each other as churches. We should be praying for every church in this city to come together and minister. Instead, we think we're in competition with somebody's church. I ain't competing with nobody but the devil. The only thing I'm competing for are the souls of men. I don't care where you go to church. You get saved here and you find a better place. Praise God. I don't care. My goal is to bring. That's why we're doing the National Day of Prayer. We're doing a national day of prayer so all the churches will come together. And how sad would it be if we couldn't fill Al Lang Stadium with all the churches in St. Pete and they have to go to Clearwater right now. How sad would it be that we can't fill up Al Lang Stadium with believers? We got to show up. We need to be present with Mount Zion. We need to be present with, with uh, Pastor Jerry's church over at Gulf Coast. We need to be present with the, uh, with the Pinellas Christian Center, Pastor James over there. We need to be present with the vineyard. We need to be present in this together with Liberty Church, who prayed for us last week, by the way. Their pastor, Pastor Brian, sent me a message and said, Hey, we pray for churches every week, and your church came up. Can you tell us what your church needs so we can pray for you? They meet at Gibbs. This is the kind of business we have to be. If you'll see Tia, we're putting together, we're going to be a part of a community choir. We already have seven people signed up to be a part of the community choir. We want to have a massive community choir of all of the churches at the National Day of Prayer. If you want to get in on that, Tia, raise your hand. She's right there. See Tia, and you'll be able to go over there, and she, and you can sign up and, and, and sing in that choir. This is an opportunity. But again, we come back to this. This is why we can't sabotage. You see, the enemy of our soul, he wants to to destroy us. They didn't have modern-day weed killers. Instead, what they had to do, if you went to tear out the wheat, you tore up the tares as well. And so a wise farmer said, just let it grow. And, And with skilled eyes, we'll reap the wheat 
and the weed will throw the weed away and will keep the wheat. And so the harvesting explains to us that the wheat's going to be burned and uh, the wheat's going to go into the house and the, and the tear will be burned. So here's the, the issue. The next point is Satan sows seeds of sabotage God's plans of salvation. That's what he does. Satan sows those seeds regularly. Satan sows those seeds when you come to church and maybe you haven't been to church in a long time or maybe it's been a long time since you heard the word of God or maybe you've never been in and all of a sudden you're distracted by everything but what I'm saying. Amen. Oh, I got my grocery list. Get ready to make some grilled cheese because it's hot in hell. You know what I'm saying? It's hot. But we don't pay attention, you know what I'm saying? Because the enemy comes and he starts messing with your head. I don't like this. I don't like that. There's too many white people. There's too many black people. There's too many Spanish people. I don't like the way they sang. I don't like. Uh, there's all these distractions that come in, and Satan's just trying to sow seed, and you got to decide. I'm laser focused here. I came here for a reason. The presence of the kingdom on earth is to show us that God wants to redeem the world. We, we exist in this spiritual realm on earth side by side with Jesus in competition with the evil one. And so you and I, we've got to work together. We've got to be willing to work together until the kingdom comes to fruition. Good and bad are going to grow together and we just have to be cool with it. But we have to be shrewd. That's what we have to be. Number three, both believers and unbelievers grow to maturity in the same field. Can I tell you that there are some people who are growing to the maturity in their evil? They're getting better and better at evil the more they promote it, the more they execute it, the more they do it. The same way you and I are being perfected, not perfect, but perfected, they are continuing to grow in their evil and creating new ways of doing evil. Make no mistake about it, that, mature, that word maturity means growing. And there are people who are growing in how to sow seed in the church and how to sow seed in the world and how to throw rocks at the church from all around. It happens all the time. Think about it. And, but if people would think if it wasn't for the church, most of the benevolence in this city wouldn't happen. Right? But what happens? We struggle, right? What happens? Jesus gets a back seat, right? Jesus, Jesus gets pushed to the back. They grow to this maturity level. And, 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 and Jesus declares that he's the one that's sowing the seed. But as he's sowing the seed, so is the enemy of our soul who is sowing seed. And there, the Christian who bears the fruit of the Spirit is what brings the attention to the Word of God. It's what brings the attention to the ministry of the church in our city. We are that. We're that. 
That's why Serve Timber is going to be huge for us. We're going to the streets preaching six nights of revival. And then at the end, we'll be doing care fest. It's going to require hundreds of us to sacrifice and go into the streets and flood the streets with the love of Jesus Christ. All the while fighting against the enemy of our soul who will seek to shut us down at every possible way, pull our permits, say it's too loud, whatever it takes to silence us. But we will not be silenced. So there's a maturity level that's happening for both of us, but I'm just hoping that we're on the same track. I'm hoping that we're growing as fast as the evil's growing or faster. It's going to require hard work. It's going to require dedication. It's going to require discipleship. It's going to require knowing that you're working side by side, but still advancing the cause of Christ. Not doing good for the sake of good, but doing good to the glory of God. And that's not easy because in our sinful nature, we want praise. It's true. We want the pat on the back instead of reflecting Jesus. We want somebody to say, good job. And if they don't, we get all huffy. Can't believe they didn't say thank you. When's the last time you said thank you, Jesus? And meant it. All right. You know I got clots. I'm trying to go easy. Yes, Lord. But we're not to pursue people to destroy them, church. We're to pursue people to demonstrate the love of Jesus. I'll work alongside somebody that don't even like me. That don't even like me. Just to show them Jesus. And my job's not to call out all that business. My job's to do God's business. And everybody else will reflect that. They'll look and see the difference in the love of God. We have to, we, we, listen, God's business is to separate true believers from false believers in wheat and tear. That's his business. My business is to advance the kingdom of God at all costs. Amen. Christ allows us to, 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 to grow and learn. And for me, I want us to go, why do you think, do you, do you really think that I care about Easter eggs? Do you really believe in my heart that I care about candy and Easter eggs? I don't care about candy and Easter eggs, but I care about the souls of men and women who will bring their families to an Easter egg hunt and hear about the love of Jesus. You know how much work it takes to put all of that together? You think I do that for fun? I don't care about any of it. You know what I care about? I care about this community and all the people around that are going to come and experience the kind smile of you as you're serving them and loving them. And I've always said the strength of City on a Hill Church is not its preaching. God knows that. But what it is, is it's us. It's people. It's the way that you love people when they come on this and then you love them so ridiculously that they just want to come back and they see us loving each other and loving them and they just want to come back. And they wonder, how could this be true? And then they come and find out we have room for you. 
So you think I, can't, I don't care about this, but do, I do care about them coming. Why do I care about Good Friday? It's two more services to add on the weekend. I care about that because people can understand the true sacrifice of Jesus. Then Saturday gives them something to do. Easter Sunday morning, they can get saved on Good Friday and baptized Easter Sunday morning. And then we preach the good news on Easter and we bring in the harvest. And guess who's going to show up on Easter? Wheat and tear. It's okay. I want that. I want everybody to come. And I'm hoping that, that there's more wheat than tear when we're done. But they'll never know if we try and huddle and not want to grow and, and be intertwined with them. We have to work together. Why do you think CareFest matters? We work with all kinds of organizations. But you know what? Recently, when they were talking about CareFest in a non-church setting, guess whose name came up? City on a Hill Church. They were like, those people, they know how to love people. I wasn't even there. Somebody came and told me. They're like, they were talking about CareFest in some organization, some other organization, and they started talking about this church. And somebody said, oh, yeah, I know that church. But again, it's the church of Jesus Christ. I don't care if it was our church. The point is that church was mentioned. Jesus was mentioned. We care. So many people, see, the devil sowed seeds all around that the church doesn't care about anybody but ourselves. We don't care about nothing but money. We don't care about nothing but this and that. They can't say that about us. They can't say that it costs an incredible amount of money for us to do those things, but we do it to the glory of God and ask them for nothing. Just an opportunity. It's going to cost us a tremendous amount to preach the gospel six nights. It's going to cost us manpower. It's going to cost us prayer power. It's going to cost us thousands of dollars to do that. But we will do it to see people come into the kingdom. And we're going to go into the world, not ask them to come to our place. We're going to go to their place and make it happen. We're not to take it upon ourselves to uproot unbelievers. No, no, no. We want to love them ridiculously. Love them as much as we possibly can. And God will reveal all that in time. Finally, weeds strongly resemble wheat in certain stages of growth. The difference is only seen at harvest. Wheat strongly resemble wheat in certain stages of growth. The difference is seen at harvest time. You see, we don't do good for the sake of good. We do good to the glory of God. We, we, we don't just give clean water to people. We give living water and clean water. We don't just feed people with bread. We give them living bread and regular, real food. <coughs> Whatever we do, we do to the glory of God. And guess what we see? We see that harvest, so when the harvest does come, guess what's going to happen? When the harvest does come, thank you, my brother. When the harvest does come, what we'll end up seeing is we'll end up seeing a bigger harvest of wheat than tear. And it's going to be our job to do that. You see, tear... They grow, and, and, and if you look at that, there's a, there's a plant that looks so similar to wheat, you can't tell in the beginning until later. 
And we may resemble those things. And Jesus said that in Matthew 7. But here's what I want you to hear today. Church, I want you to hear this and I want you to hear this clear. Because we got to stop hating on each other and our own faith. we got to let each other grow at our own rate. If I'm not at your maturity level, you don't have to kick me. You don't have to beat me down if I'm not at your maturity level. You don't, and I'm not going to beat you down if you're not, not at my maturity level. we got to grow together. And you know what 2 Corinthians 13, 5 says? Each should examine his own relationship with Jesus. <coughs> Each should examine his own relationship with Jesus. That's 2 Corinthians 13, 5. If anybody wants to write it down, 2 Corinthians 13, 5. So you might want to memorize that. We're growing. Christ will one day establish true righteousness when he raptures the church out of this world. God's going to pour out his righteous wrath and during that tribulation draw others to that saving faith. But true followers of Christ are going to reign with him. That's the glorious hope of wheat. So on Palm Sunday, we're one week away from Easter. You've got to look to yourself and ask yourself a few questions today. I have to ask myself a few questions today. I have to ask myself, what will my faith look like in a week? What if I have the best week ever? What will my faith look like? What if I have the worst week ever? What will my faith look like? Will your faith be shaken by a diagnosis? Will your faith be shaken by a death? Will your faith be shaken by a tragedy? Or will your faith only grow all that more firmer knowing that in whom you have believed? What will your relationship with Jesus look like in a week? Will he be king or criminal? Because when you start blaming God for every bad thing in this world, you turn God into a criminal. So will he be king or criminal? You decide. It's your choice. Where do you draw the line in the sand? Say, I'll serve God all the way to this. But, but, but if I ever hear the C word... If I ever hear the C word, if I ever cancer, I ain't serving him because how could a good God let me get cancer? I'll serve God all the way to this as long as my kids are serving him. But if my kids stop serving him, I'm done because how could a good God let my kids wander? Where, where's the line? Where's the line? That's the question. I pray there is no line. Because death has been defeated. Satan has been defeated. Sin has been defeated by the cross. What cries out, crucify? What would cause you to seek to sentence God to death? Because that's what the crowd did. I'm not telling you something that didn't happen in human history. These people sentenced God to death. And he was innocent. The worst part is, he was sentenced to death for man's actions. It's time for us to stop blaming God for man's actions. And it's time for us to decide who he is and who he will ever be in our lives. And we go out into the world and we unashamedly grow wheat and tear side by side. And we let them say what they want, but we let our actions dictate something different. You can call me anything you want. 
But the truth is only I determine if it's true or not. And others will look and see and decide if you are what they say you are or not. Wheat and tear, that's all right. We're going to partner with all kinds of organizations. We're going to partner with all kinds of people. And some of them are Christian organizations and some of them are not. Don't give me any hassle about it. I got a hassle about that before. We were doing good for somebody that wasn't a Christian organization and we're trying to feed hundreds of kids and people send me stuff and complain. Can't believe that you did that. I was like, are you kidding me? I'm trying to feed hungry kids and I'm the bad guy. Really? It's true. It's true. That's what happens. It happens all the time. So, and I want to partner with whoever and however we can to do good to the glory of Jesus Christ. So we're going to sing in our community choir. We're going to go out there and we're going to pray and let the whole world see City on a Hill Church. They want all the churches, everybody to come together, they want all the churches to wear their shirts. So all, of the, so all the churches will be represented there. And then the choir that's singing will be a smattering of all of the group that's out in the crowd. And we'll be there on May 2nd singing praises to Jesus, worshiping Jesus, praying and trusting and believing And asking God to save our city and our world and our country. Letting them know the church cares. Another opportunity to make a difference. There's another opportunity that's coming up and I almost said no to it. we got a Relay for Life coming up. May 3rd, which is a Friday. It's like my schedule isn't full enough, right? (laughs) But you see, once I found out what they do... And they came to us specifically and said, hey, we heard that your church is compassionate. Would you help us? And I said, if I can find a leader. And we found that leader. And she's on the patio today. You see, what I found out was that this organization, from the time you're diagnosed until every follow-up, they will pick you up and they will drive you to your, your destinations. 24 hours a day, seven days a week are a hotline for you and your caregivers. This is actually physically putting feet to the work that happens. And it hits me at home for cancer because, you see, my dad... He died on June 3rd, 1988, of cancer and cirrhosis of the liver. And so I bought mine to be a part. And so they're going to do luminaries on that night. And when they do those luminaries, there's going to be one with my dad's name on it. And, I already, and you can already go online. I already went online and already paid for my luminary. They're, they're, out on the, they're out there in the foyer. But we don't just want you to do that. We want you to go out there. We want you to show up. They want us to wear our shirts. They want us to go out into the community. There's going to be people all around. We have teams that are going to be walking. And the first 10 of you that sign up, our church already decided to be generous. The first 10 of you that sign up will already pledge $20 to you already. So the first 10 people that see patty after this service you you can sign and you'll get uh, you'll get your first sponsorship from us and there's already another couple that already said the next 10 will be covered by them and so may 3rd mark your calendars 
It's a chance for us to be light and salt and to do something in our city. But listen to me. When an organization comes up to you and says, hey, we heard about you. We heard how compassionate you are. And practically said, we need you. Would you help us? How do you say no? How do you say no? And when, then when they told me they picked these precious people up and they dropped them off and there's a 24 hours a day, seven days a week opportunity, then I thought, I'll just take this and make it to the glory of Jesus. <coughs> That's what I'll do. I'll turn this into the glory of Jesus and we'll go out there for Relay for Life and we'll partner with them and we'll get excited with them. But everything we do we'll, do, we'll do to bring glory and honor to God and we'll light up the night, not just with luminaries, but with Jesus. Hallelujah. Woo. Starting to sweat a little bit. And I tried not to get riled up today, but I can't help it. Jesus is a reason to get riled up. Amen. So I want you to consider, pray about, think about the National Day of Prayer. Yeah, that's, that's the second. Uh-oh, we got to do something else on the third. Jesus, help us. The third, we're going to be out there at Relay for Life, and we're going to have a table set up. We're going to march around, and we're going to walk, and we're going to visit, and we're going to intermingle, and we're going to partner, and we're going to find ways that we can make a difference. I don't know if cancer has visited any of your households, but it's visited mine multiple times. I lost my father. I also had my older sister, and there have been many people. I lost my favorite uncle to brain cancer. So it matters to me, but it matters to God, too. And you know what? When people talk about how could a good God, well, a good God provides rides. A good God provides medications. A good God provides a hotline. And that's what you and I get to do. So when people say God's not doing anything, I say I beg to differ. God's doing more than you'll ever know. I thank you, Jesus. And this morning, I want to invite you into that same relationship. I don't know what, what position you find yourself with Christ right now. If he's king, criminal, or if he's nothing right now. If he's lunatic, lord, or liar. But today, you can make it right. Today, you can have an ongoing, life-giving relationship with Jesus Christ that will cause you to live true, abundant life here and in heaven. And I'm not promising you you're not going to have visitations. Heck, I just told you a second ago, I got blood clots in my lungs here, and I'm preaching, I'm preaching from now. When I'm going, oh, God doesn't love me because I'm suffering? Please. I could care less about that. My God is good. He saved me by His blood. I don't care about that. So sickness visited my household. Big deal. He never promised me, Mike, you ain't going to get blood clots. But he did promise me that the blood of Jesus would cover over every one of my sins. So this morning, I encourage you, if you don't know him, you can know him. And then you can live like you know him. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you for this day. Thank you for this wonderful opportunity we have to serve you and love you. I pray today, God, that you will build your kingdom in this place, and that the gates of hell will not prevail. 
I pray that you allow us to grow and go into the community and love people, not because they're Christians. We love people because you love people. And as we grow to maturity, God, I pray that the good in us grows so much more than the evil and that we overshadow this city with the love and light of Jesus. If you're here this morning and you say, man, I want to be on the winning team. I want to be on God's side. I want to make sure that Jesus knows that I love him and I give him my very life and everything I am and everything that I'm not. If that's you this morning, lift your hand up high in the air. Hallelujah. Lift your hand and say, that is mine. Jesus is mine and I am his. Hallelujah. Yes, yes, thank you. You may place your hands down. Everyone within the sound of my voice, we're just going to we're going to solidify this prayer from our heart to you to God. You don't even have to use your words. You're speaking from your heart right now. You're believing and receiving. You can just simply say, "Jesus, I believe in you. Jesus, you are king. Jesus, you are Lord. Jesus, you are life. I give you everything I am and everything I'm not. Forgive me of my sin and give me a clean heart." I ask this in Jesus' name. And when you do this, God, I will show others the way to you. It's in that precious name that I pray. And the church of Jesus Christ said, amen Amen and amen. Now give the Lord your best praise on Palm Sunday. Come on. Now, Now, I wish, I wish that I had a decibel reader. 